1: You can support this podcast at patreon.com partners in crime media.
2: This week's Law and Order Marathon winner is Denise Perkins of Virginia Beach, Virginia. Denise will get a marathon decal showing. She watched 26.2 hours of her favorite crime show. To be next week's winner, sign up at Law Order Podcast.com. I'm Kevin Flynn with Rebecca Lavoy and Brittany Leonagay. And these are their stories.
1: You think you know who did it, but you don't know who did it. Law Order. Law Their
2: stories welcome to these are their stories the podcast about network tv's most enduring crime franchise and the real-life cases that inspired their shows i'm kevin flynn each podcast will break down an episode from either criminal intent svu or original recipe and today we're looking at special victims unit season one episode 12 russian love poem
0: do you think that there was a reason that the killer sodomized your husband with a banana he was allergic to bananas.
2: <laughs> Joining me to do that is true crime author and the host of Crime Writers on and Slate's Mom and Dad Are Fighting podcast, Rebecca Lavoy. Hello, Rebecca.
3: Privyet, Kevin.
2: Is that Russian for something? It's
3: like casual hello in Russian. Like- I just learned that on the internet like two seconds so ago. It's
2: like Russian for sup.
3: <laughs> Pretty much.
2: Rounding out our panel is our special guest from the D Twenty Dames podcast. It's Brittany Lianagay.
4: Lianagay. It's perfect. You got it. You nailed it.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It Sounds beautiful. (laughs)
4: It's not Russian, but what can I do?
2: You're on an all-female Dungeons & Dragons podcast. So what is the appeal of listening to other people on a podcast play a role-playing game?
4: That's a great question. So we try to say that it's storytelling powered by D&D. So if you don't know anything about D&D definitely listen please please tell us because my son plays and I
3: am like confounded whenever he talks about it so you just feel free to just tell us please
4: tell us about D yes. <laughs> yeah. and D, yes,
2: encapsulate it in one minute.
4: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's an ancient game uh, for 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 your son probably. <laughs> it's probably 80s. vintage for him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, it's making a big comeback, and it's it's interesting now because you can play with anyone at any time. You don't have to be sitting around a table, um, you know, in a basement. Uh, your mom's basement is the the cliche. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there's a lot more people getting into it. The um, the female community, the queer community, there's like lots of really cool podcasts you can listen to that are just, you know, people playing D&D, but you can get a lot of um, cool stories and characters. And yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun.
2: Now, what SVU characters do you think would make good d d characters?
4: Oh, that's a great question. Mm. Um, I think probably Barba, would look good in a lot of d d outfits. I mm. um, <laughs> agree. You know, I can see him wielding a weapon. Wearing a breastplate. Yeah, <laughs> definitely <laughs> a breastplate. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: See Kragen yeah. with a little crown kind of... Kragen who ages oh, backwards, yeah. by the way. Yeah. This episode oh, is a, a, a great wizard. example. Right.
3: Like, this is season one, right, that we're talking about? Yeah. He mm-hmm. legit looks older in this episode than he does like in season 17. <laughs> it's That's unbelievable.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Now, Brittany, of all the franchises, which two cops are your favorite detective team?
1: Favorite law and order detective team.
4: This is tough. I mean, I have to do traditional Benson and Stabler. I will loop through Benson and Stabler seasons over and over again, and I don't try. I try not to cross the no Stabler threshold, um, even though I've seen every episode. But <laughs> there's something about their their chemistry that's just. They're both broken in ways. It's just great. They're they're fantastic.
2: And do you have a favorite prosecutorial team?
1: Favorite law and order district attorney prosecutorial
4: team. Oh yes, I am an Alex Cabot fan mm-hmm. uh, forever, and she keeps coming back, which is great. I'm still holding out that she'll just keep returning. She could they could kill her off and maybe just keep coming back. She's fantastic. I think real, they,
3: I think they actually did
4: that, and yeah, she came back. They,
3: they did, but real question like what the hell else is Stephanie March doing right now that she just can't <laughs> right. come back and be on Law and Order?
4: Right, forever.
2: She's not making dinner with Bobby Flay.
3: Like, why do we have this, like, discount Chicago PD dude we could just be, have Alex Cabot back? I'm sorry, Stephanie March, if you're listening to this, which I'm 100% sure you're not, what else are you doing that you can't just come back to SVU right now?
4: Because that would be so amazing. And she comes back, like, flawlessly. Like, she she rolls right back into it. She's in the character. She's, it like... It seems like she's taking some kind of class where she's, you know, keeping her SVU-ness up while she's not on the show. So she might as well just be on the show. Yeah, I think she's She's taking uh,
2: professional uh, development credits, you know, like continuing education (laughs) credits to to keep up her character. And
4: being Cabot. (laughs) Yeah.
2: All right, now let's take a look at the first half of this episode, SVU Season 1, Episode 12, Russian Love Poem. Rich mom and daughter enter their quiet home to find dad dead wearing a leather bondage suit and yes, a banana shoved up his
1: ass.
5: <laughs> yeah, whoever, whatever. They still didn't have to shove a banana with a sun don't shine. That's
3: just rude. I'm just saying it was disrespectful, not homicidal.
1: pretty symbolic. I'll say.
3: No, no, I know where John's going with this. Whoever inserted the banana. Knew that Harlan was allergic. He, she might not have meant to have killed him. I mean, it's pretty hard to get an allergic reaction out of a dead
2: man. Andrew Harlan's wife says her husband fucked everything with a pulse, male or female. SVU detectives tracked down all of Harlan's lovers, including a bi-curious ship captain, a free-love blonde sleeping with both dad and son, and a male porn star named Bulldozer. Mm. A fingerprint at the crime scene points them to Sonia Petrovich, a Russian nightclub singer and high-priced prostitute who gives a fake story about being in Harlan's house. Documents show Harlan was suing a different Russian prostitute named Katya for $2 million to recoup the costs of making her a kept woman. Munch takes a call from a panicked Sonia. She spoke perfect English, but when her life is in danger, apparently she can only speak Russian. Right. Munch and Cassidy find <laughs> bloody footprints leading away from her apartment where Sonia and her aunt have been killed with an ax. Okay, so poor Mr. Harlan who thought, I ain't going to fall off an no old banana in the tailpipe, um, <laughs> but he does. Uh, the wife's reaction is priceless.
4: It's my favorite part of this entire. He was allergic to fruit. Her her reaction was just like, I've expected this. She's when she's been waiting for this moment, (laughs) like their entire marriage, I assume.
3: Andrew, are you home? Are you out boring? Mommy, please. Daddy. Oh
4: God! No, Daddy. Her face is so expectant. I
2: knew I would come home someday and find him wrapped up like a latex turkey. Yes. Just bound there.
3: Well, <laughs> that's the thing. When you're walking in your house with your teenage daughter, wondering if dad's home, and what you scream out into your like four-level home New York hallway is... Are you out whoring? <laughs> like this is not what we'd call like a regular family, right?
2: No, 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 no. But I have to. I have to say this: we're season one, episode twelve. We're, we're a dozen episodes into what, surprisingly, at this point will be one of the longest running TV shows of all yes. time. And NBC, which just refused to call it by the original name, "Sex Crimes," mm. uh, realizes that this this. 10 o'clock show yep. now features a plot line where a guy has been buggered by fruit. That's right. <laughs> so little did they know what a great hit they were having on their hands here. That's
4: right. This episode's pretty progressive, actually. I was thinking that the whole bisexual, pansexual father, that's like, that's pretty, even nowadays people are like, mm, I don't know about that. I, I was very surprised that this was 99 and they were just so cavalier, just, oh yeah, many lovers of all sexes and... He was polymorphously
3: Shapes. perverse, as his wife said. <laughs>
4: right, to be exact. Which,
3: I, I don't know yeah. if she listened to the Savage Love cast, but that seemed like something Dan Savage would say.
2: <laughs> yeah, watch out for your plants, yeah. apparently. But this is, you know, one of the reasons why I like season one in particular of It's SVU. not because of
3: Mariska's amazing season one, Bob?
2: No, no. Pre-shorn, not, well, I mean, great pixie too. cut, post-ER yeah.
3: long hair, yeah, no, straight no. up bob. No contouring, by the way. This is pre-contouring. Okay. So natural. Right. So natural. All the women yeah. in this it's episode, I, I just kept looking at it and thinking, like, what's missing from these women? I know. Fake cheekbones drawn on by brown makeup. That's what's missing.
2: Ah, okay. Well, actually, that isn't where I was going. <laughs> um, I think we, we if, you've, if you, you, if if anybody who's written about SVU season one, they say it stands apart from from the rest of the series because it was a different set of writers and they were going for a different kind of theme. And it was supposed to be a little grittier, a little grittier, but a little also more NYPD blue. Uh, but also a little um, uh, higher brow—not <laughs> higher brow, but they were trying to hit. They were trying to be socially relevant in a certain mm. way. It, not from this episode, no. However, no. Uh, however, it does have a bit of a different feel, like in, like you noticed in season one. There's all these extras who uh, sit around like listening in,
3: like mustache guy.
2: Yeah, like mustache guy. Who randomly
3: right? yes. had like a line? Yes. And the other guy who randomly had a line. I'm like. Who are these people?
4: Yeah. That happens all through season one and there's no explanation for it and it never happens again. It's so fascinating. They just throw them in and they're always sitting on desks or just like tur- their chairs turned around and they just turn their head like they're all just like yeah. auxiliary police officers.
2: They're in the middle of doing something else but they have to listen in on this case.
4: Right, right. And then
2: they get up like, oh, I'm going to go do something about that. No, but it's
3: supposed to be like they're part of the unit, Mm -hmm. but we're just not focusing on them. Mm -hmm. Right. And then in later seasons, this very elite, very important squad is only five people. Right. Like we're
4: supposed to believe that. Right. Right. And we're fine with that. They're taking all the cases. It's fine. It makes sense mathematically. And then
2: they have this stairway loft that goes up. Nowhere. Yeah. Goes to nowhere. I think it's where they have all the mysterious books.
3: (laughs) Yes books about sex
4: crimes <laughs> yeah I've, and jeffries is always up there studying something
2: it comes down after doing her research
4: yes she's always doing research up there always and she always has well in this episode she has the one piece of information that turns it completely around which is they found a fingerprint one yes, in fingerprint. the house that that's it that's the only thing that leads them to these russian people and, it, and she right. can
3: only deliver that message in a leotard It's literally the only thing she ever wears.
2: And a vest. (laughs) But she had to descend the stairs, you know, like, oh, she's coming down the stairs and like, I have this information that was imparted to me on the second floor loft.
3: Okay, as long as we're talking about weird aesthetics in season one. Yeah. Can we please talk about when Benson and Stabler go to talk to the son, who plays this weird auxiliary role and like doesn't ever appear again?
5: Were you and your father close? Yeah. Very close. Until he started doing my girlfriend's
3: and Benson and Stabler are standing standing so close together that she has to put her shoulder behind his shoulder while they're, they're talking up to the weird. dude, it's yeah. super weird. We're TVs te- This back in the day when TVs were just shaped like squares. Yeah, it was
2: four by three. It wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
4: yeah. You have to cut off. You have to cut off some chunks of the screen to really understand. Then it puts it all in balance. All right. I I love that
2: the porn star had his name legally changed to Bulldozer. Yeah. It's two words like meatloaf. Yeah, right. Mr. Mr. Dozer. Because he wasn't
3: a porn star. Yeah. He was a banana commercial star who
2: aspired who to
3: be a porn. Spy- he aspired to do porn.
0: Mm. Really in porn? No. Not yet, but soon, very soon. I just do these cheesy commercials for the money, but I was born to be in porn. And I'm still looking for a good porn talent agent
4: if you happen to know of anyone. I think that's the only dated part, really, truly dated part of this episode uh, is that there were people around that were aspiring to be a porn star and walked around like that. I feel like there's other things you can do in your life now. You can be a YouTube star. There's all these other outlets for people like that, but... No, it was still like porn like VHS porn star. That's what he wanted and he was going to get it. Like that's the only part I was like, "Hmm. Why are you
2: ragging on his dream though, Brittany? I
4: mean. <laughs> no, it sounds awesome. I just think that if he were here now, he would have a million subscribers on YouTube as, right. you know, the dozer. Well, we
3: also had like a uh, sexy painter, Becky Sorensen, carrying around her like fake
4: Georgia O'Keeffe painting which was just a vagina.
2: Yes. <laughs> Very
4: suggestive. <laughs> and they made sure to show you that as if we hadn't had enough sexually explicit things That's in right. this
2: episode. I'm so into sex, I even paint about it. That's right. You lead me into the next point I want to make is that is that we have an army of Hey It's That Girls.
3: Oh, we do. Hey, it's that girl. girl.
2: So who plays the wife of the victim? Her name is Christina Harlan. Anyone know the actress?
3: Oh, this one I recognize. He used to deliver pizza to us. Until then, he just kind of uh, delivered. No, but I I know who she. I mean, I know she's been on other things. As soon as she walked on the screen, I was like, "Oh, it's that girl."
2: Yeah, who that's, is she? That's the whole point of the bit. Yes, I know. Okay, all right. Okay, so who is she? Her Her name is Deborah Rush. Yeah. She plays Piper's mom in Orange Is the New Black. Oh, okay. And she's also She's also married to Chip Cronkite, who is the son of Walter Cronkite.
3: Well, oh. nobody knows who Chip Cronkite is. It's just, I'm, Brittany, I'm just trying to
2: impart some
4: facts here. Can you
2: back <laughs> me up that that was interesting? That's
4: a fun fact. I'm f- trying to figure out ages there. Like, Walter Cronkite's son, and then she's probably old. Yeah, I Yeah, don't know. all right. I just got I,
2: Just so you know, I'm turning my microphone away from Rebecca so I can talk directly to you, Brittany. Um,
4: <laughs> Perfect. Could you give me the name of the
2: actress who plays their daughter, Emily?
4: Oh, mm, no, I can't. But I had that moment. I had the moment of this bit.
2: Yeah, okay, well, her name is Allison Munn. Yeah? And she played Ah. Lauren on One Tree Hill.
4: Daddy said that if anything ever happened to him, he kept
3: all of his personal stuff in the secret drawer in his desk, and he told me where he had the keys.
0: Oh! And also,
2: Tina, in What I Like About You. No,
3: One Tree Hill has recognized her from, for sure. She's not blonde, though, in that, I think. This part was stupid in the show. Like, I loved my daddy, even though he was a pervert and we all knew it. And I hated my mom for saying that daddy was a pervert. Made no sense. My daddy told me about his secret drawer where all of his private stuff was, just in case anything ever happened to him. Look what I found there.
4: <laughs> As she twirls her hair, it's some legal mumbo jumbo. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe you can make some sense out of it.
3: <laughs> was this during sort of the writer strike this episode?
2: No. <laughs> no. Okay. About about let's talk again about Becky, uh, who was the uh, the oil painting paramour.
0: Yep. I think you're thinking about this the wrong way. How so? Andrew wasn't into monogamy. Not even serial monogamy.
2: Anyone know the actress's name? Nope. Okay, that's Melissa Sage Miller. hmm And she will return to SVU in season 12 to play ADA Gillian Hardwick. <gasps>
3: Oh, my God, that super short-lived, like, light redhead ADA. Yeah. In the year, and like the, in that sort of era where, like, everyone had red hair and they kept getting their throats cut by Russians. I know exactly who you're talking about. Yeah,
2: right. Okay, well, she was part of that three-season spiral of ADAs coming in and out. Yeah. They included Christine Lottie, mm-hmm. Sharon Stone. Got her throat
3: cut by Russians, by the way.
2: Harry Connick Jr. <laughs> and uh, her character, uh, Hardwick, came in she, immediately following... One episode uh, ADA Mika Vaughn.
3: Paula Patton? Yes exactly.
2: Yep. Yeah. So why do we think there were so many like misfires between Cabot and and Barba?
3: I I honestly think the show could not find its footing with like a lawyer that mattered. You know what I mean? So I do think that like in Law and Order Original Recipe, it was like they had Jack McCoy and whoever like the lady was with was Jack McCoy. And I knew that like who the lawyer was mattered. They figured that out. And on this show it was Like, they kind of started off that way, but then there was, here's the thing I've always wondered, like, if they have an actress who's, like, so terrible that she's only in, like, three episodes or whatever, why not just redo those scenes with the one that you ended up with, like, later in the season? It was, it's very strange
4: to me, it's a revolving door. Yeah. I think that I think that the ADA thing takes time. You kind of have to seed it, you know, and you can't just say like, let's start three episodes and let's see it needs like they don't get as much backstory, so you don't learn about them, you don't have feelings for them. But if you give them, you know, six, seven, eight episodes, then you start feeling. So if you don't invest in them, right. then you're not going to get you're not going to get a long running uh, ADA. I, d- I wasn't convinced Barba was going to. Me you know, neither. Me neither. But then he grows on he you, does. and then you're like, "Don't ever leave," and then he breaks your heart. So, <laughs> you know. more suspenders, please. More Paisley <laughs> suspenders. Boom.
2: This episode kind of bounces around quite a bit. It keeps moving from scene to scene, and I think it's kind of hard to keep track. I don't know. I had a hard time kind of keeping track of where we're going and what's important. Mm.
3: It's a tour of New York City. We've got several scenes that take place in different parts of Brighton Beach, which, by the way, I learned a lot
4: about Brighton Beach. So did a I. Lot.
3: Apparently, there's a boardwalk <laughs> that looks just like Coney Island, and there are like Russian cafes right. along that boardwalk. Mm-hmm. There's yep. the bath, whole bathhouse situation, which is that in part one or part two? That's part one. But there's the whole like going to like all these Upper East Side locations, and then there's a lot of just locations.
2: So the trail brings them to like the most ridiculous Turkish bath <laughs> in New York, Russian. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Russian-Turkish bath, right? Isn't that a so-
4: yes? Now- it's a hybrid hybrid job.
2: I understand if you don't want to strip, but you must take off your shoes. Why do they need to walk around in flip flops?
4: Why do they need to go? Why in Why do they all? need to walk in? Yes. <laughs> at all. Why do they need to go in at all? Actually, there was yeah. no reason other than the desk guy was my favorite character of this whole episode. He was, I thought he was fantastic. I thought he was a great actor. I don't know what he has been doing with his life. I don't know why he grew his hair out like that. But I thought he was great. I thought he did a great. He had a great scene. He really milked it. But man, why, what? Just so they could see the guy in the in the tub with the ladies. Right. That, yes. Well, that's the reason. But then they also have like a world
2: famous violin player come Jacuzzi side. <laughs> for no reason. And play for this Russian oligarch bathing with two girls.
3: For no and by the way, we've already determined that Munch randomly speaks Russian. Yeah.
4: Why is he not going uh-huh. with them to all these places?
2: That's a good point. Well,
4: he only speaks a little (laughs) Russian, but then can translate for everyone for the rest of the episode. Yeah, he
2: doesn't speak bathhouse Russian. Look, I hate it when they come and play the violin next to my table in a restaurant. (laughs) I sure don't want them playing while I'm soaking in the tub with uh, two honeys.
3: I also have something else that I have a bone to pick with in this episode. Yeah. If I get murdered because I've been asphyxiated and someone sticks a banana up my butt- Mm Mm-hmm. Do me a favor and wait longer than, like, two days before you start redecorating the entire house, please.
2: <laughs> because you think you think the, the wife's a little weird. Let's talk about the family then, okay. okay? And let's look at them as suspects for a second. You've got the son, and his alibi is that his mom, and I'm not making this up.
0: She drove me to a poetry convention.
2: Drove him to a poetry convention. <laughs> mm-hmm. The girl who plays Dungeons and Dragons laughed at that.
4: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's embarrassing, but he said it so proudly and so like obviously that's what I was doing. Why'd you even ask me that? I'm an intellectual. Like he's so proud of it, which is worse.
3: An intellectual with a weird like puka like shark tooth necklace. It was super weird. Like he did not. Read they
4: had, they it that didn't way. nail down his character. They yeah, not. they they didn't know what they were doing. They were just like throw, throw a son in there, which they didn't even say that he, they had until he went to go see him. It was so strange. This whole family dynamic is very odd.
2: Right. And then Benson and Stabler g- grill the wife about this lawsuit. Mm. And she claims there's this epidemic of rich New York men leaving their wives for Russian <laughs> prostitutes.
3: That's right. They're ruining everybody's marriage. You, you never heard of the ultra Natasha's? Well, they all ought to be called Katya. And what? I'm supposed to become one of those pathetic divorcees who has to say, and how old is your russian they're stealing all the husbands uh, they're, they're it's everywhere. all her friends
4: talk about yeah it's the it's the talk of the town it's what she talks about at bridge club it's just who's the russian whore that you know
2: i don't remember seeing this in the social page. i have
3: to say it's sort of like like the current scandal with like russia gate mm-hmm. you know like every time you turn on like cnn or whatever it's like they're everywhere the russians this wife she's like they're everywhere. She literally <laughs> says that. Yeah, and I'm she knew. Like, You're pointing at the wrong thing, lady. I don't actually. They're trying to steal <laughs> your husband. They're just trying to influence, like the nineteen, the 2002
4: election or something. <laughs> <laughs> the <Yeah>. midterms. <laughs> this is all a distraction. Your thing is just the fun stuff. They they have a bigger agenda.
2: Yeah, it was a long game, wasn't it? It was.
4: Exactly. Because
2: course, each time they question one of these Russian women, they, they wax poetic about being a prostitute.
3: Mm-hmm. I'm with men who are breaking promises to their wives, and that excites them and makes them come alive again. I make them come alive again. I am their freedom. And that is delicious.
2: Who knew you had to be such a philosopher to be a hooker?
3: We get this whole thing in this episode, and this is what's weird to me. All of the cultural Russian stuff— is bananas considering that like in every other law and order episode that involves russians somebody gets their throat cut right Mm -hmm. and in this episode we have like two axe murder victims that we get to see and by the way i'm thinking like why is svu investigating this crime this is a murder because of the banana not an axe not a banana because of that banana it's the whole thing episode mariska even says like I investigate murderers. I'm like, no, you don't. You're a sex crimes cop. (laughs) Like, did you forget what your job title is? You
2: go after rapists, not murderers.
3: Anyway, uh, there's this whole, like, waxing poetic about, like, Russians who use sex as currency and prostitution is, like, uh, a coveted profession because, you know, the value of
4: love and sex. And it's just like, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? That's what the the bathhouse guy said at the, at the yeah he said you know here prostitutes are you know terrible people and you want to stay away from them but in Russia <laughs> oh in Russia they're at the top of the social chain it's like all right let's go let's go to Russia that sounds awesome Russia sounds awesome man the way you're describing Russia right now sounds great who was that comedian in the eighties who was always like
2: Yakov Smirnov?
4: in Russia in uh-
2: Russia prostitutes <laughs> pay you. <laughs>
3: we just talk for a second about Munch's four-second phone call?
2: There's definitely a trope on Law & Order of phone calls taking- like Four seconds. Four seconds. And on the phone. Getting uh-huh.
3: way too much information for it to be four seconds. Right. Apparently in four seconds, uh, Munch learned that Sonia was super scared and she was at her apartment and blah, 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 blah. Maybe an axe murderer at right the door, hangs up the phone, they go there, and it's a murder scene. That phone call was way too short for all that information.
2: Yeah, Brittany, I mean, for, somebody, for a woman who was able to give this great soliloquy about the benefits of being a, uh, a prostitute, in English, <laughs> right. now her life is in danger, and she can't find two words to put together. She has to resort to Russia, Russian. Of course, she's dialing directly into the, the unit, right? She, it's not 911.
4: Right. That's why they report to that scene, because she calls SVU. So they tie that little... Hole up, I suppose, but I'm I take more issue with the fact that Kraken asks if Munch or says that Munch speaks a little Russian, and then Munch speaks all the Russian that's apparently. Right. That's all right. every word understands everything anyone's saying, can translate anything at all. <laughs> yeah,
0: she had a few and he has a picture. <laughs> and like her, they're all they all look like models and talented like her. And I thought with Katja, someone's your friend Katya.
4: Okay, but we'll put that aside. The other part of this whole phone call thing is that apparently it took them hours to get there because by the time they got there, an old lady <laughs> was cleaning up the stairs already. you it like a babushka.
5: Yeah. Yes.
2: But the odd thing was that she started cleaning like the ste- the footsteps farthest away had the right. least the amount of blood, <laughs>
4: and they weren't even like right. a I would have done the
2: messier. Where are the first. scene
4: of crime people? Where are they? Right. And I don't understand why she they even put her in that scene because it wasn't like they were later going to say, well, if that woman hadn't corrupted the crime scene, we could have gotten this and that. No, there was none of that. There was no reason to have that woman there cleaning up the footprints other than to have me upset that they took so long. I think like, it was
2: because they wanted to show an old lady wearing a kerchief scrubbing. Right, like, they were checking like, oh, off oh, this the is boxes. really Russian it's here. Right. Yeah. All we had,
3: oh, right. The only thing i nothing missing was like a bunch of dolls living inside one another.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: right. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Alright, now let's take a look at the second half of this episode. A distraught Russian man named Alex walks into SVU to confess to Harlan's murder, jealous of his relationship with Katya, but he screws up the details of the crime, so Stabler and Benson cut him loose. They finally track down Katya, a high-end prostitute who is just way too cool for school.
0: <laughs> if you're not at our office by 9 a.m., immigration will be at your house by 9.05. That I can personally guarantee you. Mrs is America. You can't do this. Sweetheart, let me let you in on a little secret. Cops are the same everywhere.
1: Okay, but could we make it noon? I'm not what you call a morning person. I don't even know if I'll be home by nine.
3: I only has one button on her shirt. That's
2: right. <laughs> <laughs> Katya's hitting on Stabler, leaving a trail just like a snail. Ew. Uh, she admits that she and Sonia went to Harlan's house to tease him. They tied him up and pegged him with a banana to tease him, but she swears she didn't kill him. The detectives talk to Sonia's boss and her uncle, who only speaks English when he's drunk. They both believe Alex killed Sonia because... Uh, nobody freaking knows at this point. Yeah, nobody knows. Uh, nope. <laughs> Akatya agrees to wear a wire and a sting with Alex, but it goes wrong, and he is cornered by the cops. Alex takes out all the bullets of the revolver except for one and spins the cliche. I mean, he spins the chamber. <laughs> as he repeatedly... Wait, in Russia,
3: they just call that roulette? They just call
2: it roulette. <laughs> <laughs> As he repeatedly dry-fires the weapon into his chest, he explains that he brought Katya to America, but she broke up with him. He strangled Harlan because he was jealous and chopped up Sonia because they needed something big for the end of Act 2 before the commercial break. <laughs> and, of course, he shoots himself right at the end, proclaiming, see how lucky I am? Yeah. Nothing can hurt me, not even this gun. Of course we knew he was the dead right That's there. right. That's right. All right, so they, they tell you that you're in the Russian part of Brighton Beach because we go from the Moscow restaurant mm-hmm. to the Moscow cafe. Yes. That's apparently all America would know about Russia. And apparently
3: Russians, I call, totally call bullshit on this, drink horseradish-flavored vodka, Bullshit! They just drink vodka. Everyone knows flavored vodka was made for Americans, and Russians do not like flavor in that shit. Even I know that.
2: Brittany, did you get the sense that yeah, this is really Russian this neighborhood?
4: Oh yeah, just ooh, I just had. I mean, beside from the, aside from the the terrible Russian accents that were just littering <laughs> my ears the entire time, I just assumed everything was Russian. I thought the police station turned Russian in this whole episode. Just, they, they, they just put a skin on this whole episode. Russia.
3: Everyone's smoking when they're not supposed to be. Like, every <laughs> yeah, Russian right. character has to be told that you're not allowed to smoke <laughs> here all the time.
4: Uh, okay, it's sorry. Right. Or not. Yeah.
2: <laughs> now, Alex comes in, he makes this big show of his fake confession. Why? Uh, well, I think he's trying to throw them off no, the track by why? intentionally no. giving them a bad. No. no. Well, I don't know. Well, I mean, why this are you episode- asking me why? Well,
3: here's my question. It was just stupid, right?
2: Right. Like, yeah. It was stupid. <laughs> but, but not as bad as this. When he's told about Sonia's murder, he goes, No! No! How tragic! How tragic!
3: <laughs> <laughs> kind of like, like when Katya was told about it, she's like, Yes, I heard about
2: it." <laughs> <laughs> now, do you think this character, Alex, was tipping his hand, or was this just really bad acting?
4: I thought he... See, I, I was confused. I assumed he... He had been involved in both crimes, so I was not sure why he was saying that he had done one but not the other. And then I was, I was basically on his side because I was so confused. He basically did exactly what he was probably trying to do is confuse the hell out of everyone because I had no idea where this was going and why he even showed up. So
3: This guy can barely speak English. He's a discount Hugh Jackman of, like, the greatest degree. Uh-huh. <laughs> no. Does. It was like they changed, I think, this is what I believe, that they like, just sort of rewrote it and changed something, and they already had that scene. It felt very disjointed. The whole thing felt like an editing mess that was cobbled together to me.
2: Um, so I don't know what the Russian translation for femme fatale is, but I think it's Katya. Is it? I, well, it, she is, right, I mean, isn't she it's like... It's faux
3: femme fatale. Faux femme fatale. It's like so ham-fisted. What's your take on her? Uh, it is the most poorly written character I've ever seen on television. Like, They're like, can you come in at nine? She's like, I do noon. I'm not what you call... A morning person, please,
4: (laughs) please. Well, I was so I was confused the whole time again, confused this episode, but she was mentioned the entire time. Mm -hmm. And so I'm ready for the most, you know, illustrious, just really vibrant character. And then it's her. And I was just so let down (laughs) by her character (laughs) in general because they built me up. She didn't she didn't come in until like the third to last scene. And that was it? Like, that's Katya this whole time? Everyone's talking about the famous Katya, and that's who it is? I want Sonia. Bring Sonia back.
2: You can't. She's dead.
4: She's (laughs) so dead, but (laughs) more interesting. There's one thing I loved about Katya. What?
3: Girl knew her damn rights.
1: Am I under arrest? (laughs) Not yet. Oh. Then I think I say no. I'm all dressed up.
2: (laughs) She knew her rights.
3: Right? Like, they went to that play at Party or whatever that she was at with her French twist, And they were like, you should come with us. She's like, I don't have to do that. I am not under arrest. I'm like, you know your damn rights, lady. No one on this show ever knows their rights. I was very impressed by that. And that's where it ended.
2: And that's where it ended. Because she
3: literally only knew how to do one button on her shirt, and that was very disappointing.
2: But I guess this is probably the one and only time like a female suspect throws herself (laughs) at Stabler.
1: (laughs) You want to make love to me?
2: Tell you what, why don't you just start answering my questions, Okay.
1: Only if you answer
0: mine first, huh?
3: And what's that going to cost me?
0: Oh, I am too expensive for your detective's salary. And I don't take money.
3: No, you
1: just take husbands.
3: It's legit one of about a million times where that happens. Right. She's
2: like grinding on him and everything, just about.
3: Yeah, we've seen in the last, I think, week, watching SVU episodes in the kitchen, so many episodes of The Female Suspect is coming out, like so you must be an animal in bed and he just like looks at them and you're just like Stabler has the amazing ability to not get a boner at work because it just (laughs) never happens. He always gives him that look like come on. Please, come on.
2: I don't think he can get a boner at home either.
3: Have
2: you seen
4: how many kids he has? I think he can. Well,
2: he has four or five times, apparently.
4: That's what this episode didn't have, by the way. Stabler Family Life, which season one is riddled with. (laughs) And I was really upset (laughs) that there is no, like, somehow this Russian thing tied into something like Little Dicky's soccer game. You know, they they (laughs) always tie. Yeah, Kathleen's having a hard time at school. You know, they always try to tie in this terrible sex crime to what's happening in his house. Just for season one and two, basically. Yeah, that's the
2: problem. You're right. It's like, oh, yeah, here's a murder. It's Like, oh, my family. It's, someone's killed. Oh, my family. No, like, it's I, like oh, someone had a banana. Oh, my. Well, okay, no one in my life. Dickie had, had a banana me. for breakfast. Yeah, <laughs> <Right>. I'm scared. <laughs> so they have Katya do this sting, right? She goes to Alex while wearing a microphone attached to her bra. But doesn't button any more
3: buttons in her shirt. But right, she's still wearing a blouse It the literally with one sticks button. out the whole time.
4: Which maybe could be why the operation didn't go very well. Maybe well, yeah. It could be. There's another reason why it
3: maybe it didn't go very well. They have the microphone on mm-hmm. Katya with her one button. Mm-hmm. They go to this like Russian place where they think a guy killed two people with an axe plus strangled something somebody and shoved a banana up his butt. Mm-hmm. They get her to get him to say what he did. They're sitting in a van and then they say Let's call for backup. <laughs> yes.
2: Yeah. Do, do oh, you wait.
3: guys not know how an operation works? Like, we
4: forgot a thing. To be there. <laughs> Jesus, Benson oh my, and Stable. Oh my god,
2: this actually works. What are we gonna do now?
4: <laughs> also relying on Munch again, who only speaks a little Russian to be the sole translator for this sting operation. Not okay. getting in a single professional who could have actually told you what they were saying. Instead, Munch was like, uh, I don't know. Uh, sounds like, uh, oh, we better get in there. Sounds bad. <laughs> <laughs> Call backup. Like, could have gone so much better. Benson says to Katya, the
3: sex cop, the sex crimes cop was supposed to be super empathetic to like women in like downtrodden situations who legitimately was defending prostitutes earlier in the episodes. She says to Katya. Who are you?
0: Some sex machine with a cash
2: register between her legs.
4: <laughs> between your legs, yeah. You think this oh, is good man. judgment
2: these cops are showing, Brittany? She's she's slut shaming. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it's it's Olivia Benson slut shaming.
4: It's again, I have to chalk up some of this stuff to season one, you know, footing issues because they would have never. That's it totally uncharacteristic now at the end of the
2: episode they have benson and stabler
4: (laughs) i'm sorry can't even with this
2: you can't even huh yeah They, they walk away with this really cheesy voiceover conversation about what a
0: mess blowing people's heads off because of some vodka induced third rate notion of tragedy that's a lot of crap and for this they
5: come to america um, it
3: wasn't supposed to be voiceover. We were
4: supposed to believe it was them actually talking. Right. Walking, walking Brighton, you know, yes. boardwalk. Sunset. Yeah. 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 But that it was certainly would have an never... afterthought, right? No, that would have never happened in any other season. That, se- that whole episode would have ended with Katia kind of walking back with her, you know, mic wire tap exposed, and then it's just blackout. Like, I had thought it was going to fade out there and end, and was so shocked that they came back on Brighton Beach, unless they wanted us to remember that they were on Brighton Beach. I wonder if this right. episode was sponsored by Brighton Beach. Right. I don't yeah. understand. The Chamber what... of
2: Commerce. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Oh, I, I just figured out what could have actually made that last scene better. They're the, the, like walking away. The guy with the violin from the, uh, the, the Turkish <laughs> bath could the have been Russian playing. Russian bath. <laughs> no, like, it's, it says Turkish bath. It doesn't matter. There are all I, Russians yes. in there. <laughs> All right, let's take a look at the real-life story that inspired this episode. It's time for Ripped from the Headlines. You think
5: you know who did it. You think you know who did
0: it. But you don't know who did it. You don't know who did it. From, from the the,
1: the key to the plotline of this episode is the Russian mob and its practices of human trafficking. While crime gangs existed in Russia since the time of the Tsars... Organised crime flourished under communism in the Soviet Union. Political prisoners, who had been allies in the gulags, formed their own mafia, operating a thriving black market at odds with the oppressive government. Russian criminals would later set up shop in over 50 countries. In America, Russian mob activity was concentrated in Brooklyn in a section called Little Odessa. Like their Italian counterparts, Russian gangsters dabbled in illegal gambling, protection rackets, drug trafficking and prostitution. The Russian gangs who kidnap women for sex are often small, making it hard for law enforcement to disrupt them. They sell the women to larger gangs for use in brothels, casinos and restaurants. The FBI says there are 6,000 women from the former Soviet Union working as prostitutes in the United States. Law enforcement officials in Moscow say there's no evidence criminals of Russian descent are operating internationally. However, many watchdog agencies say mafia corruption is rampant in the Russian government, and in the past, several ministers have been implicated in human trafficking rings. <laughs>
5: All right,
2: I'm a bit disappointed that the rip from the headline story wasn't about the academic of rich New York men who left their wives for Russian hookers in the late 1990s. Or rich
3: New York men getting bananas shoved up their butt when they got murdered.
2: I didn't think that happened Did as much. Did he die
3: from an allergic reaction or strangulation? Strangulation. Was that ever, like, cleared up?
2: Yeah, it was, he, was, he was strangled. But
3: yet Sonia knew, and
4: Katya knew he was allergic to bananas. Right, but said, if, but if that's why he died, it was a simple mistake. <laughs> what? <laughs> wow. <laughs> but you knew, and you thought, this will be funny. That... For all the law she knows, that can't hold up in court. Yeah. What was the teasing? What was the te- how does that? How was that teasing?
2: Um, to tie well, you up and not do anything there? for you. and leave him there. <laughs> I mean, the guy might leaving have left for fruit, his family to find. But, yeah, yeah, exactly. But
3: but what's weird about the disconnect between this episode and what freighter just said mm-hmm. is that these women, over and over and over again, we hear in this episode that they're not being trafficked. It is their right. romantic choice
4: mm-hmm. <laughs> Right And so Which is the only Mob connection This episode has Because it does not have Gambling or Any drug trade It's nothing Other than prostitution But they've said That the prostitution part Is just No it's not It's not that it's bad It's just their This choice. is their life's calling yes. yeah. yeah So it's just a very Bad interpretation Of whatever You know Russian culture There is in New York And apparently It's in Brooklyn Is that where Brighton Beach I don't know Yes I feel like I need a map It is
2: Yeah well apparently There's that one block where everything is named Moscow. Yes, um,
4: <laughs> and that's how you know you're in Little Russia. Yeah, yeah.
2: But you know, regarding prostitution, even even more so today, we see a great many girls in the U.S. are from Eastern Europe, mm-hmm. the former Soviet bloc, and it's in part because it, that's where their economic options are limited, and the government is indifferent to their recruitment, or let's just face it, their kidnapping mm-hmm. and uh, indentured servitude.
3: Mm-hmm. You mean uh, sex trafficking? Yes. human trafficking human trafficking yes uh,
2: but i think i think that that's probably why it's so hard you know to, to get a, a handle on the international trade is because we're doing what we can in the US but internationally you know they're creating the supply
3: Well, Mm -hmm. I think that if there was no demand, there would be no supply. We know that, Mm -hmm. right? But again, this episode falls short. Like, we don't actually see that. We don't see women who are unable to talk about what they're doing and where they're going. This episode, if that's what they're trying to do, it falls incredibly short because we see Sonia, who sings at a club and also works at a different club and also cleans people's houses and also hangs out with her friends. It's like it's like a brotherhood of women who like to have sex and also do it for money. Like, there's none of that sort of, like, you're doing this because you don't have any other choice. They say that in the SVU squad room, but none of the women in this episode actually, like, that, that isn't actually what's going on. It, it really falls flat.
2: Brittany, are you are, are you with Rebecca that this isn't an accurate depiction of Russian prostitution?
4: <laughs> <laughs> well, I am a scholar on such, ep- uh, such a... Such such things. So I I can I can agree. I can agree that. But I I was I was thrown off by the fact that they all had other gigs. Right. Like they were, (laughs) you know, singer singer by day and night and spa massage person by day. Like they all seemed to just be living. They kept showing photos of them just like hanging out and just like wearing like the latest clothes and having they just looked like, you know, 20-year-old Americans. Yeah, they were like millennials living the gig lifestyle. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it was like the gig gig economy of 99. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Before
2: Uber.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Right, it's like, oh, I got a gig. Let me go to that gig. Oh, someone needs a massage right now. Let me swipe that on my app and let's go. But also, if you want to have sex with me for money, (laughs) yep, (laughs) I'll do that too. But I'll also enjoy it.
3: Unless, by the way, I'll enjoy it unless, and I love the threesomes, unless it is two guys, one girl. That I will not do. That's what we call <laughs> yeah, they... the, the devil's triad, right?
2: <laughs> <laughs> Two dudes, yes, exactly.
3: Yeah, very specific about the, the won'ts. I'm yeah. not lesbian, she says.
2: <laughs> okay, well, look, more than prostitution, the number one kind of human trafficking in Russia is forced labor of men and children for things like factories and mines.
3: Oh, that's really depressing. Uh, Why yeah. are you bringing that up right now?
2: Well, because we, we associate human trafficking with just prostitution. No, I don't.
3: I mean, human trafficking is also about like having a a cleaning person who lives at your house. mm -hmm. It's also about you can be in the suburbs and if there's just a person that seems to live with that family that seems to do a lot of the work there, they could be a victim of human trafficking, right?
2: Yeah, Brittany, I want you to know we don't have a a Russian slave maid in our house (laughs) in case Rebecca was starting to intimate that. (laughs)
3: I'm just taking notes here. Our kitchen would be cleaner if we did, by the way.
2: <laughs> now, Rebecca, we have our own children enslaved in producing our podcast. How is this any different?
3: Um, I pay them, A. And B, they also get a place to sleep that is not a closet under the stairs. So it's not the same at all. Uh,
2: okay, you say <laughs> that. That is going to do it for us. We want to thank our guest, Brittany Gay. How can our listeners follow you online, Brittany?
4: You can find me on Twitter at Brittany Lee, That's B R I T T N I L E I G H, all spelled very weird. And you can also follow D Twenty Dames on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. um, And yeah, check that out if you want some ladies playing D anD. d
2: And Rebecca Lavoy, how can our listeners follow you? Uh,
4: You can follow me
3: on Twitter and Instagram at Reb Lavoy, and of course, you can always listen to our other podcast, Crime Writers on.
2: And you can track me on Twitter at Kevin P Flynn. You can also tweet to us at Law and Order Pod or Follow us on Instagram at these are their stories podcast. Our newsreader was Cy Frader. Our theme music was composed and performed by Uncanny Valleys. Content assistance from Travis Roy, Lily Flynn Handles Promotions, and we welcome back to the podcast factory Henry Lavoye from his recent assignment in Washington. To get ad-free episodes of These Are Their Stories a week early, sign up for Stitcher Premium. Get your first month free at stitcherpremium.com slash crime. All clips in this podcast were used in compliance with the U.S. Copyrights Act fair use exemption for criticism and commentary. Special thanks to the elite squad of the Law & Order Wiki community for preserving the evidence. If you want to know what episodes we're talking about in our upcoming shows, go to Podcast.com. Sign up for our newsletter for a chance to be our next Law & Order Marathon winner. These Are Their Stories was recorded in the yoga loft above the bodega in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi, studio and is a production of Partners in Crime Media. Partners
1: Partners in Crime Media.
5: In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years,